just want to make a couple of personal comments, and then we'll uh, go into our time in the Word. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this last year, maybe I didn't, but, you know, almost because of my childhood, uh, Memorial Day is, is absolutely the most meaningful and my favorite of all the, quote, holidays that, that our country has, uh, partially because of the hometown that I grew up in. As some of you know, I grew up in a very small town outside of Cleveland, Ohio, called Chagrin Falls. And I got to tell you, my town to this day knows how to do Memorial Day weekend right. Uh, we, we start off with a, a fair, a carnival in town for all the kids, and it's just the highlight of the whole year. It's called the Blossom Time Festival because uh, all the blossoms coming out, and we celebrate spring. And then there's a huge parade on Saturday with all the, you know, the high school floats and the, and the fire trucks and everything. And then um, on Monday, the whole tone and tenor changes completely because Monday is Memorial Day. And in my hometown, they know how to do Memorial Day right. In fact, here's a picture from three years ago. I don't know if you can see it, but if you look down here, this parade down Franklin Street, one of the main streets in town, goes on for about a mile. And the parade is only made up of veterans and first responders and the mayor and all the police cars and the fire trucks. And here's what's so cool about it is that the parade starts downtown and it goes a mile to Evergreen Cemetery a 25-acre cemetery, and then set up there as a huge stage and a color guard and everything, and, and we have a service complete with a pastor doing an opening and a pastor doing a closing and, and then a few speeches, and then we have the firing of the guns and a time of silence. I mean, it's just an amazing moment where when I was picturing me as an eight-year-old boy uh, going to this, because my dad made sure we went every year, man, the meaning of Memorial Day was brought home to my spirit. We gave solemn uh, focus to those who gave their lives for our country so that, as Neil said earlier, we can have the freedom that we have. So, you know, I'm sure there's other towns, even Scottsdale, that do things like this to, uh, to, to commemorate Memorial Day and to focus on it. But, man, I just long for my hometown when this day hits, and they're in my thoughts all the time, and, and the real true focus of Memorial Day. So that's my first personal comment is that we'll pray uh, here in a second here, but just uh, I hope you take advantage of this weekend for what it's intended, and that is to give thanks to God for those who gave their lives for the freedom that we have here in our country. And then the second thing I want to say on a very personal note is I was deeply encouraged this week. I am in many ways each week, but I was really encouraged this week about our church. You know, people come up to me uh, quite often and they'll say, hey, you're Jamie. You know, I go to your church and I'm quick to, to, to correct them. You know what I say, don't you? Like if Anthony, I, this, isn't, this isn't my church, this is our church. Technically, it's Jesus's church. So if we want to say it that way, but, but, but it's our church. And, you know, I, I shouldn't do this, but I was reading a couple of the reviews on Google of our church. And, and I shouldn't do that because I have a really thin skin more so than you guys realize. And so, you know, I can read 10 positives and then that negative, I know none of you can relate to this, but that negative just catches my eye. But I was reading some of the, the positive things, and there was a guy that, that recently visited our church and wrote this about our church on the internet. And I just love this. He, he said, this church uses the Bible to interpret the Bible. They said, if you want really good Bible teaching, then go to Scottsdale Bible Church. Amen? And 
I, I mean, I just thought, what a better way. There's no better way to say it. We are a Bible teaching church. And I love that about our church. I, I love the fact that you guys love that about our church. And here's what you need to know. It frees me up tremendously as we continue to have that focus as a church. Why? Because when I'm in my study, like I was this week, preparing our rich food for time in the word right now, I don't feel like I have to come up with some, you know, uh, scintillating, engaging message about Christianity. No, I got to come up with an engaging message that takes us into the word of God. Amen. And then my job is to teach us the word of God as we all focus on it together. And then you guys are Bereans where you check the word to see if what Jamie is saying is true, right? So, you know, it's an amazing thing that we have here being a Bible teaching church. And, And here's the deal. If you're new to our church, it grows you deep when you are in a community of faith like that. I, for, for better or for worse, except for one year period of my time, I've never been in a church but a Bible teaching church for almost 40 years. That's how I was reared, so that's why I do what I do here. Um, and except for one year in my life, and I didn't like that year, I, I, I've always been in Bible teaching churches. And as we're going to see today, it's that foundation that allows us to even broach the subject we're going to broach today, this idea of wisdom. So I'm thankful for you guys, uh, Cactus and Northridge and Chapel and Venue, as you are with us now for our time of the Word, and thankful for all of us here at our church. And uh, we're going to dive into the meat of the Word of God right now. So if that floats your boat, then you're going to love the next 40 minutes. If it doesn't, well, this isn't your day, but you're still going to get something out of it. So that's good too. Why don't you guys bow with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this weekend that I I don't know if if I've been communicated it right, but ever since I was a child, Lord, I was surrounded by people that were thankful to you for the freedom our country has and for those who have given their lives to secure that. And so I I pause in my spirit this weekend, Lord, and uh, I hope all of us do, to look to you, give thanks and to not at all take light of the freedom that we have in our country and how it's been secured. So we do give thanks to you and for those who have secured that. Father, I pray as well that as we now turn to your word, which we know is light to our souls, it's balm to our healing, it's everything that we need. God, I pray that you would now speak to us. We're gonna look at one passage today, Lord, and yet, boy, is it ever rich in its truth that we need to live life this side of heaven. So our sights are on you. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. And we all say together, amen. So if you looked in the bulletin or if you looked online or if you're listening right now, the topic before us today is wisdom. Wisdom. And I just got to ask you, who among us wouldn't want life-enhancing, know-what-to-do-in-a-pinch wisdom? Who in their right mind, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, if your life is good or not, who wouldn't want that? And I'm talking about the kind of wisdom where you know how to navigate spiritual dry spells. I'm talking about the kind of wisdom where you know what to do when your kid goes down a not so good path. I'm talking about the kind of wisdom where you know what to do when difficulty hits your marriage and you and your spouse are not on good terms. I'm talking about the kind of wisdom where you know what to do in dicey business situations, where you know what to do with runaway emotions like anger, anxiety, worry, and depression, and so many other life scenarios that you and I can think of. You see, here's the deal. The Bible places a huge premium on wisdom, and for good reason. 
because God knows that we all need it. It's one of the most sought after and precious commodities in this life that we have access to. And there's not one of us here today, chapel and venue, Cactus and Northridge, those of you watching online, there's not one of us here that doesn't salivate after more wisdom in our lives. In fact, I love how the Bible puts it in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. It could not be said better than this. It says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. And I love this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And we all know this to be true. Wisdom is not only desirable in life, but it's necessary in life. Necessary if we're going to navigate all the ups and downs, even the pitfalls of living in a fallen world. Now, with this said, here is another thing that we all know about wisdom. And that is that it's not easy to find. Amen? It is not... Amen. It is not easy to find. I, I mean, think about it with me. All joking aside, if wisdom was easy to attain, then everybody would have it, right? And yet, let's be realistic in the house of God. You and I both know that there are a lot of people, even our lives at times, that struggle to find wisdom. The world is filled with billions of people who make bonehead decisions, unwise choices, and end up going down a path of difficulty and regret. Truly, wisdom is not an easy thing to find in this fallen world. So if you're tracking with me, you will notice that we are stuck with a very real dilemma right now. When it comes to wisdom, we all want it, even need it. That's universal but we struggle to find it. And so like hungry people in the midst of a famine, we find ourselves spiritually malnourished and the culprit is we need more wisdom. So let's finally get down to the heart of it all today and talk about how we actually find and attain wisdom in our lives. And the recipe that the Bible is going to give us today is actually gonna surprise some of you. It might even challenge you a bit. Certainly, it's going to change the way that we understand the process of finding wisdom. Because the recipe that the Bible is going to give us today is not the way our culture sees it. Many of us have gotten deeply immersed in the culture around you. We live in a good culture. It's all fine and great. But if you buy into how your, our culture says you need to get wisdom, it's going to go against the grain of what the Bible is going to say to us today. And though the Bible says a lot about how to get wisdom, things like pray for it and things like that, here is one of the key things that it says that many people don't get. And it's our only and main point today, and it's this, that wisdom does not come from simply seeking it. That's what our world thinks, no. It comes from a godly character that prepares for it. Let me repeat that. Wisdom does not come from simply seeking it. It comes from a godly character that you develop over a lifetime that prepares you to find and receive the wisdom that God has for you. 
So we're in a series here at Scottsdale Bible Church called 14.6. Simply put, we're looking at some of the rather profound chapter 14, verse 6 passages found in the Bible. And the one that we get to today is laser beam focused on wisdom, even more so about how to find and attain wisdom. It's Proverbs 14.6, and this is what it says. It says, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Now, I got to tell you folks, this is a fascinating, fascinating passage. And there's a lot more going on here than many of us might think at first glance. So what I want to do today, and this is why I mentioned to you earlier that this is Scottsdale Bible Church and that we do the Bible pretty well here, is that we're going to spend the rest of our time today, even next week, focusing on this one passage. It is that rich, it is that deep, there is that much going on here, you're going to see that in a minute, that we need to park in front of it and understand rightly what it's saying, because I'm telling you, this is paradigm-shifting, life-altering stuff, if we will let it be. And the key to understanding what is being laid out here in Proverbs 14.6 is to focus on four words. You will notice that I put those four words in bold yellow for you. Whoop, go back, go back. I put them in bold yellow for you. And that is, the four words are scoffer, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's the journey we're going to go on for the rest of our time today. What does this mean by a scoffer? What does it mean by wisdom? And then here, there are really two more difficult ones. Why knowledge? And what does it mean by understanding? If you can understand those four words and put it together, understanding this simple sentence, you are going to be primed for a life of finding and attaining wisdom. So, rather briefly, let's focus on the first two words, the easier ones to understand. Then we're going to move on to the other two words. The first two words are scoffer and wisdom. Scoffer and wisdom. A scoffer in the Old Testament is rather self-explanatory. It's simply a person, watch this, who mocks or ridicules biblical truth and those who hold it. I know it's hard to picture somebody like that in American culture today, but just go with me on it. That there might be people in this world that kind of mock or ridicule, they scoff at what God says in revealed in the Bible and those of us that dare to believe it. It's someone who doesn't see a need for the things that God says, what we call transcendent truth, the truth that comes to us from on high from God himself through his revelation. No, a scoffer feels that what he or she thinks on their own or what they find on their own is sufficient to attain wisdom. And so it shouldn't surprise us uh, that, that even when we look at all the descriptions of a scoffer in the Old Testament, and there's about 16 individual passages that describe this scoffer person in the Old Testament, I looked at all of them obviously this week, that, that, that when we look at what the Bible says about a scoffer, we get this picture. First, it tells us this is somebody who is proud. It's somebody who elevates themselves. Proverbs 21 verse 24 says, scoffer is the name of the arrogant. 
a haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So a scoffer is simply somebody, and we're not trying to be too hard on them, that, that puts stock in what they think. They just simply put stock in what they find. That's why I'm going to suggest to you in a minute that if you just try to seek wisdom on your own, the Bible's going to tell you here you're never going to find it. Uh, a scoffer, secondly, is somebody that's not able to listen to others or be corrected. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 1, it says, A scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So again, you all have experienced that. You've tried to you know, give a rebuke or a correction to somebody that says something rather inane or goofy. And what do they do? They just come right back at you. And the Bible says that's somebody who's, who's just kind of living in their own world, not really interested in humility or, or what God or even others might say. I found this one interesting. We don't want to run with this too much, but a third description of a scoffer is that a scoffer, according to the Proverbs, only responds to physical force but not reason. Listen to what it says. It says in Proverbs 19, verse 25, strike a scoffer and the simple will learn from it. Isn't that interesting? Now, if you hear me say that we should go out and hit everybody that's a scoffer today, you heard me wrong. But I think there's something to that. It's simply saying that sometimes people can be so dense, we all know people like this, sometimes people can be so thick-headed that a whack is sometimes the only way to jar them into some sense. At least that's what the Bible is saying. We are told not to pattern our lives after scoffers. Psalm 1-1, do not sit in the seat of scoffers. And God says in the end, things won't go well for scoffers. He, he says in Proverbs 19-29, condemnation is ready for scoffers. And probably the greatest tragedy for scoffers is that though they might seek wisdom, because we all do, try as they might, this passage here is telling us they're never going to find it. That's the main point of Proverbs 14, 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. Or as another translation says it, a scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. That's the great tragedy. We all want this thing called wisdom. But if you scoff at God and his truth, he says you're not going to find it. And without getting too judgmental, I've already hinted to this, we all know these kinds of people, but here's what maybe in our more humble moments you and I could recognize. I would submit to you that there are times where you and I act like scoffers, amen? Some of you didn't say amen to that. I need to help you with this right now. <laughs> Look, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years, 35 of them as a pastor. And even I can own that there's days where I'm shutting out God. There's days where I'm not in tune with him. There's days where I cop an attitude and I'm not very interested in what he says. And on those days, I'm acting like a, say the word with me, scoffer. I might not look like it. I'm not looking like Howard Stern that day. I'm not making fun of Christians and things like that. But in my spirit, God says, man, you're, you're functioning just like those other people. And, and the point is in those moments when I then say, well, gee, why is my life like going well? Why am I not finding wisdom? Yada, yada, yada. And God says, well, it's pretty clear. That if you bolster your pride, if you put faith in yourself in this fallen world, if you shun what God has laid out, you are now in scoff mode and your chances of finding wisdom that your soul desperately wants are about as strong as in the last two years of the Browns winning the Super Bowl. Amen. <laughs> now, again, this next year, I think the Browns are going to fare better. But if you followed them in the last two years, 
They have been just terrible. And, and all joking aside, that, that's what God is saying here. That a scoffer seeks wisdom and, and doesn't find it because if you scoff at God and his truth, you're not going to find any of it. Now, with this behind us, now that we understand scoffing, we have to ask the question, what is wisdom? What is this second word about? And we don't have to spend a lot of time on this at all because we already defined it in the examples I gave you in our introduction. But in a couple of words, and some of you know this, but it's worth reminding you, uh, wisdom, according to the Bible, is defined as this, two words, practical knowledge. Practical knowledge. In other words, wisdom is simply knowledge that you and I get, now watch this, that tells us what to do in life. So whenever you need that practical bit of, bit of wisdom in your marriage, your parenting, with your emotions, in your job, with God, that's what the Bible calls wisdom. Here in Proverbs 14, 6, it's the Hebrew word hokmah, and it's defined, I love this, as a capacity to understand in such a way as to have skill in living. Isn't that good? So all of us want that. We want to know what to do in a tight spot. Well, that's wisdom. In a very real sense, and this will be a light, uh, turn a light on in some of your heads, is that wisdom is all about discerning the will of God when you think about it. Some of you are going, what's God's will for my life? I mean, well, God says, why don't you pursue wisdom in the way that I want you to? We're going to see what that means in a minute because you just might get some of those aha moments of what to do in life that are right in line with my will, and it's called wisdom. And watch this. This is powerful. It's used so often, this word hokmah, in the Old Testament over 300 times that it's the most common word in the Old Testament to denote intelligence. Isn't that interesting? So there's other words, as you're going to see in a minute here, for knowledge and understanding and insight and discernment in the Hebrew language. But none of them are used as often as this word hokmah that means wisdom. It's that important practical knowledge. So let's review where we've come from so far. If you are one who scoffs at God and his truth, you're still going to want wisdom and seek it because we all do. But as you seek wisdom, you're going to seek it in vain because you're not going to find it. It's a harsh reality, but it's what God says. So then the only question we have to ask and answer in our time remaining today is this. Well, who is it then that finds wisdom and how is it that we get wisdom? If it's not through seeking it and just using our own ingenuity to find it, if it's not going to come through watching Dr. Phil and Oprah, reading a New York Times bestseller book, asking your barroom friends, getting on the internet, if, if it's not going to come through those mediums, then how do we get wisdom today? And this leads us to the second set of words here in Proverbs 14, 6, words that take us now to the mountaintop, and it's the words knowledge and understanding. So we've seen scoffer and wisdom, but it's now the words knowledge and understanding because it says a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man or woman of understanding. Now, I want to warn you right now, we are about to go into the dark woods of understanding the word of God because it gets very tricky at this point. And if you're daydreaming at all, you're going to want to dial back in now because you don't want to miss the issue that we're going to face right now. Let me explain. This week, when I got to this point in my study, as I understood, you know, scoffing and wisdom, 
I got to confess to you, I got rather confused at this point in trying to understand Proverbs 14, 6. Because if you're tracking with this at all, it doesn't seem to make complete sense. We get that a scoffer is going to seek wisdom and not find it, but it says, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. And I got hung up on, well, why doesn't it say wisdom? Why doesn't it say, why does it say knowledge? What's the gear switching here? What's that about? And what's the difference between these two? And is it saying something different than the first line? And even once we understand that, what does it mean knowledge is easy for a man of understanding? Isn't understanding the same as knowledge? Are you guys tracking with how I was thinking about this? And, and, I, and, I, and I'm reading the commentaries, and you know, the problem with commentaries in the book of Proverbs is that there's so many Proverbs that there was like one small paragraph in each commentary uh, on this passage, and none of them addressed this issue. So like I'm hung out there to dry, going, how are we going to deal with this issue? And so I did something I don't do very often, and it's something that only I have access to, and that is that I called one of the top Old Testament professors in the nation in California, and I ran this by him. Some of you know his name. It's Dr. Paul Wagner. He used to teach at Phoenix Seminary. Some of you don't know this. Paul is now the distinguished chair of Old Testament at Gateway Seminary. He is teaching doctoral level students in, on Hebrew. He's written a textbook on Hebrew. He's writing or revising the Tyndale commentary on the book of Isaiah. I mean, he's just like a bigwig in this. And, 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 you know, so much so that I, I, I don't feel bad calling him Paul because he's a friend of mine, but we'll call him Dr. W for today. So I called Dr. W and, and, and I ran this by him, this dilemma. Now, before I called him, I wanted to do my homework. So I looked up this word knowledge in the Hebrew and indeed it is a different word from wisdom. Wisdom, as we've seen, is that Hebrew word hokmah. This word for knowledge is the Hebrew word da'at, D-A apostrophe A-T, da'at. And it's the general word for knowledge in the Old Testament. And it, and it means essentially conceptual knowledge. Just like you go to ASU or GCU and you study something, you get knowledge. That's what that word means. And it is somewhat distinct in many scenarios from wisdom. So I called Paul and I, and, I, and I was asking him about all of the, sorry, Dr. W, and I was asking him about all of these things. And at one point I said to him, you know, do, do you think that there's a difference between hokmah and da'at? And he said, of course. And I said, well, then answer me this. Why in Proverbs 14, 6 does it use the two different words here? And are they linked at all? And, 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 and if so, how do you make sense of this passage? And guys, what he said next was like a light went on in my head. This guy's so smart. And what he said next isn't going to mean much to you initially, but I'll explain it to you. But it, but it brought me back to my seminary days. He said, well, Jamie, you have to remember that Proverbs 14.6 is written in Hebrew parallelism. Now, the second he said that, I remembered my seminary classes and I thought, I know exactly what he means. And I cut him off. I said, oh my gosh, you're right. It's Hebrew parallelism. And I explained back to him what I thought it means. And he said, yes, that's what this passage means here. I said, that's all I need. Thanks. And he said, that's all you needed? Like I'm an idiot. And I said, yes, that's all I needed. He said, well, if I can ever help you again, you know, let me know. And, and we hung up the phone. Now, why was this idea of Hebrew parallelism so helpful? Let me show you up here on the board. You're gonna have to dial into this. 
As many of us know, the Proverbs are what we call wisdom literature or poetic literature, and they're written in a poetic fashion. So a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but, a, 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 but knowledge comes to a man of understanding. You can say he's a poetic utterance there. And so it's two different lines that are running parallel to each other. A scoffer goes to find wisdom and doesn't find it, but knowledge is going to be found by a, and I'm going to call this person a discerner. You'll hear why in a minute, but a man of understanding, a discerner. That's the parallelism going on here. And as soon as Dr. Wagner told me that this is Hebrew parallelism, here's what I pictured in my mind, and this is indeed what is happening here. Give me another click here, Don. And that is that what parallelism does is it obviously links these two sentences in kind of a chiastic way. Scoffer is obviously linked with discerner. It's being, to being uh, it's kind of the opposite here. They're being contrasted with each other. But then wisdom in this parallel is being linked with knowledge. And here's the real key, and this is what Paul was suggesting, is that most Hebrew scholars would say that the reason that the author used hokma and da'at was for poetic purposes but in the way that the author is using it here, now watch this, they mean the same thing. That's where Hebrew parallelism is important. In other words, to try to make too much of the difference between wisdom and knowledge here is gonna mess up how you understand this passage. But what the author is doing is using a poetic way of saying this whole passage is about wisdom. It's all about practical knowledge and a scoffer is gonna find it, but whatever this discerner does, they're gonna find wisdom. That's what Paul was suggesting, and I think he's right. But when you think about it, we, we do this all the time in the English. We just don't realize we're doing it. This will be kind of a fun example for you. I'll pick on me and elevate Neil here. Say I make this statement. Jamie is not wise. Prudent, however, is Neil. Say I make that statement. Jamie is not wise. Prudent, however, is Neil. And that's a very similar statement to Proverbs 14.6. I'm contrasting Jamie and Neil in this statement. But would any of you wonder, do I really mean much of a difference between using the word prudent or wise or do I essentially mean the same thing? Essentially mean the same thing. If you look up prudence and wisdom in the dictionary, there's subtle differences between them. But in the way that I used it here, you would hear me saying in a poetic way the same thing, that, that Neil is smarter than me. And back to Proverbs 14.6, that's exactly what is happening here. That as we look at this third world word knowledge, we don't have to get too hung up on its distinction with wisdom because how they're used here is essentially the same. Wisdom does not come to the scoffer, but it does come. And now we come to our final and most critical word of all. It comes to a man or woman of understanding. It comes to a man or woman of understanding. Now, you heard me say earlier that I'm going to suggest to you that this phrase, man of understanding, we should call a discerner, a discerner. And here's why. This is the Hebrew word bean, spelled B-Y-N, but pronounced bean. And it literally means, now watch this, to discern, to comprehend meaning, to derive insight. That's what the word means. 
It carries with it the idea that you look into the world around you, even the unseen spiritual world, and you derive meaning and insight into what it's about. You discern the things around you. And obviously, once you get this, the real issue then becomes, well, how are we to discern? How does one look into the world, even the spiritual world around us, and rightly derive insight and meaning so much so that we get wisdom? And guys, this is where the Bible comes alive with profundity and purpose as you and I study it. Because when you trace all the occurrences of the Hebrew word being, B-Y-N, and there's 171 of them in the Old Testament, and I looked at every one of them this week in my study, when you look at all these occurrences, what you find, and this was revolutionary for me, is that a picture is painted of a certain kind of person with a particular kind of character. And this kind of person with a particular character is the one who is primed and prepared to pursue and find wisdom. In other words, what you realize is that when a person becomes a kind of person in his or her character that is what we're gonna call a discerner, a person of understanding through developing the character traits that go along with it, then wisdom follows suit. Or if you're losing me at all, I'll put it in the most simple way I know how. Godly character precedes wisdom. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. That each moment of each day, as you put a notch or take out a notch in your character that either pulls you closer or further away from finding wisdom in your life. And I gotta tell you, when I realized that this week, I've always known this, I guess, but man, it just revolutionized, it changed the way that I saw this idea of wisdom. Because even I buy into the things of this world today Well, they say, well, if you, you know, if you don't have wisdom, then ask a friend. If you don't have wisdom, well, then read a book. If you don't have wisdom, well then, you know, try to find it in any way that you can. And what the Bible is suggesting here, no, it's actually stating it, is that if you and I lack wisdom, <clears throat> what we need to do is gear up for the long haul, start to shore up a godly character within, because it's only in finding that godly character that we will get the outpouring of it, and that is wisdom. Wisdom does not come from simply seeking it. It comes from a godly character that prepares for it. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but, a, but knowledge is easy for a man or person of understanding, a discerner. That's the key. That's where character is developed. And it's easy to find wisdom when you have that kind of character. So here's what we're going to do in the remainder of our time today, but then pouring into next week, because I think this is worth the exercise. If this interests you at all, this idea of character as a precursor or a preparer to find wisdom in life, then you would also be interested in what specific kind of character the Bible is looking for, wouldn't you? Like if I told you that you could win the lottery by going through some certain steps when it came to how you pick numbers, would you be interested in those steps, yes or no? Yeah, you would. Clark, you'd be interested in that, wouldn't you? And I'm telling you here right now that you can win the lottery when it comes to wisdom if you have any interest at all in going through the paces throughout your life that will allow you to notch the kind of character that will prepare for it. 
And, and I discovered that in my, my study this week as I looked at all the 170 plus occurrences of this word discern or person of understanding. And as I went through them, and I'm just going to sort of wet your whistle right now, I, I found that, that all the traits tend to fall neatly into a couple of different buckets. And, and these buckets might best be described as your walk with God, and then the second bucket being life in the world. Your walk with God and life in the world. And in each of these buckets, there's these descriptions of the kind of character that God wants to build in you, that if you were to find this character or develop this character, you wouldn't really want or lack the wisdom that you need. Let me just watch your whistle for what we're going to look at next week. Here is the character traits as I followed all the occurrences of this Hebrew word being, discern, a man of understanding. Here are the character traits that you need for life in the world. It talks about experience. The fact that a person who develops a character that's built upon experience, some of you are bemoaning your difficulties right now, don't, because it's through your difficulties, as Rick Warren says, God never wastes a hurt. It's through your difficulties that God is giving you the experience that you need in life in order to someday give you wisdom. Uh, second thing I found interesting, and we'll explain this more next week, is that um, a, a person of character who finds wisdom has a broad view of life. They know history. They know what's going on in the world today. Uh, there's somebody that's not narrow and myopic in their view, but somebody that has broadened their view. That's going to interest you as you develop your character. Obviously, this doesn't surprise us. A person of character who gets wisdom has a moral compass and let me be really clear, a biblical moral compass. Somebody who derives their morality from what God has revealed. This one will not shock you because it's the opposite of a scoffer. Somebody who has the character befitting of wisdom is humble like me. They are somebody who, who, who has developed over time, in all seriousness, it's somebody who, who doesn't read their own press releases. As, as Romans 12 says, they do not think more highly of themselves than they ought it's somebody who knows who God is and who they are and doesn't see themselves as above other people. And right on the coattails of that, they're correctable. So you can tell if somebody's got a, a godly character that can receive wisdom because if you correct them, they don't get in your face and get all defensive and say, get away from me. They, they, they receive that from you. Five traits about life in the world that start to develop the kind of character that we need to receive wisdom and then notice what is needed in our walk with God. Again, as I traced all the occurrences of the Hebrew word being here, I found that, 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 that first of all, somebody who has this kind of insight or discernment, they are radically theocentric, or, or I might call it spiritually sensitive, meaning God is on their radar every moment of every day. They don't wake up with a quiet time and then forget about God and then, you know, remember meals and then maybe at night say their little, you know, childlike prayers. No, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about somebody that, that each moment of each day is somehow drawn in their worldview to, to the great theos, to God, to who he is. Obviously, this will not surprise you. We're going to see this, that they are word-focused. There's somebody that, that builds their life on what God's word says, and that matters more than anything else. This will interest you. We have to explore what this means. It's somebody who's familiar with God's ways. 
One of the reasons some of you like to get wisdom from, say, your, your, your godly grandmother or maybe your godly best friend or whatever is because they're somebody who understands God's ways. Richard, they understand how God moves in this world and what he does. And as a result of that, they can give you wisdom. Here's the good news. You can get that too if you start to develop a character built on God's ways, a character that's built on God's love, what the Bible, what the Old Testament calls his chesed love, his loving kindness, and then obviously obedience, being faithful to the things of God. Here's what we're going to learn next week. Ten character traits. Five tied directly to your walk with God. Five that flow into your Monday through Saturday life. And they're all linked to this idea of becoming a discerner, a person of understanding. And I don't mean to overstate it, but it is your only hope at ever getting the kind of wisdom you really want. I mean, the Bible's clear here. If you try to seek it on your own, well, it's going to be in vain. But understanding comes, or knowledge comes to a person of understanding. This wisdom comes to somebody who develops a character trait that's befitting of somebody that God wants to give wisdom to. So as we wrap this up and go to our elder fund offering, here's my, my parting question for you that I want you to think about all this week. And that is, what is it going to be for you? As I suggested earlier, I think it's very possible for somebody to claim the name of Jesus today, to be a Christian, to say they follow the Lord, and then fall into the world's pattern of just seeking wisdom every time you want it and hope that you find it. And again, as Dr. Fu would say, how's that working for you? Not very well. Or are you gonna be the kind of person that forges a godly character? We're gonna learn more what that means next week. We're gonna take a look at what character is and how you develop it and why it's so important. And you forge a godly character You walk with God, you know what life in the world is like. And here's the cool thing, wisdom will come to you. (laughs) You won't panic in the moment, wondering, you know, how am I gonna get it, what am I to do? No, you're walking with the Lord. You're notching some good things into your character belt. And over time, you're gonna start to become known as that wise person. Here's what you're gonna find, people are gonna come to you. They're going to come running to you saying, what do I do in this situation? And you're going to give them your wisdom, but then more importantly, you're going to also show them how to fish themselves. You're going to show them how to develop a godly character. What's it going to be for you? Just a seeker of wisdom? Or you want the character that prepares you for a life of wisdom? Pray about that. Think about that. We'll pick this up next week. Father, thank you for your word. I tried to prepare us today, Lord, for the fact that your word is so rich and profound. It's so deep that there, you could spend a lifetime exploring even a passage like this. And yet, Lord, I think we're, we're starting to get it. We're starting to understand that, that wisdom is prepared for those who, who have a serious and sober life lived out before you. A life that has a walk with you. that that, that focuses on things like your ways and your word and your truth and your love and obedience. But then, Lord, it also has life in the world in which we learn things like a broad view of things and and, and the experience that can only come from difficult times and humility. God, uh, I pray for that kind of character in me and those around me. Mostly, Lord, I pray for that kind of character in our church. God, we have grandkids and kids and friends and coworkers and service providers and neighbors that all look to us and they wonder if maybe we have something to offer them. And certainly, Lord, we know we have Jesus to offer them. 
But as we're seeing today, we might also have some words of wisdom and truth. And so, Lord, may we have the kind of character that can receive that, I pray. Do that in us, we pray. We'll give you all the praise and glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And we say together, amen.